we're moving through the book of Corinthians, but we're asking a specific question. We're saying that what happens when God takes a person and gives them a new heart, reboots their heart, changes them, and gives them His Holy Spirit, God begins to do an internal work in our hearts day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. We, we allow His Word and His Spirit to rewrite the code of our heart. We get daily updates of the code of the operating system. Now, in this series, we're looking at the church of Corinth, the church that had, like, a lot of problems. But we were asking, uh, and the problems were they liked the big and flashy, they liked the popular, they had the gifts of the Spirit, but not the fruit of the Spirit. They were looking for that next best teacher. Uh, they, they saw themselves as super spiritual. And Paul is asking, and Paul is showing us, what happens when God takes people from very diverse economic and social uh, places and brings them together because He's rebooted their hearts? And, and, and how will that look? And what difference will that make to the city where His church is? And what are the issues and what is the potential and what can we learn from them? In other words, what happens when God reboots our heart and brings us together as His church and places us in this city called Dubuque and the tri-state area? And what difference will that make? That's the question we're asking. So we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, page 871. I want to read through the passage and I'll make a few observations. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1, page 871. I, Paul speaking, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you this testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature we do do impart wisdom, although it is not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But it is written... As it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. 
for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. So there's a few things I want to draw from this passage. The first one is this. The gospel message is simple. Paul said, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ. The elite philosophers of Paul's day thought he was a babbler. They scoffed at his teaching. Notice in Acts chapter 17, verse 32, when they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others wanted to hear what he had to say later. So some people uh, that Paul talked to, the educated, thought he was a fool and thought he was a nut. The ruler, Festus, thought Paul was insane. In Acts 26:24, Festus shouted, Paul, you are insane. Too much study has made you crazy. Now, there's always been this wisdom of the world which prevents intelligent people from believing in Jesus. They can't bring themselves to believe in God. Uh, they can't bring themselves to believe that Jesus became a man, that God became a man. Uh, that he was crucified on a cross as a common criminal, that he came to save us from our, our sins. They see this, all the gospel, as absurd. They can't, they can't, they can understand the principle and the concept of it, but they think it's absurd. They think it's silly. They think it's nuts. Paul was saying that the wisdom of the cross is the Christian's only hope. The cross illustrates our human solidarity. What's the human solidarity? That beneath the cross, we all stand together. We're either, we either stand before, between, below the cross, we either stand forgiven, or we stand still in our sins. The wisdom of this world leads to self-inflation, but saving knowledge of the gospel leads to us loving our God. So the gospel message is simple. A child can understand the gospel message. It's so simple that even a child. But it's hidden. Notice Paul says this. The gospel message is hidden in verses 7 and 8. We impart a secret and hidden wisdom which God decreed before, for the ages of, uh, for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understand this. For if they had, they would have not crucified the king of glory. Now, some Christians believe that what Paul's talking about is... He's saying that some Christians have this secret, special, extra knowledge that God gives them. And they go to this passage to teach that. They have a supernatural, special knowledge from God as opposed to other Christians who are unspiritual. And they use that passage. But Paul isn't contrasting two types of Christians. He's not saying some of you are the super spiritual Christians who have been given this this special revelation, this special knowledge that makes you ultra-spiritual, and there's others of you that are kind of dull, and you kind of don't really get it, and you kind of just kind of don't, you just don't have it. And they say that's what this passage is saying. But that's not what Paul's saying. Paul is not contrasting uh, two different kinds of Christians or two different kinds of believers. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about those who are believers and those who are not believers. He's contrasting those who have... Who, who understand and have accepted the gospel and those who have rejected the gospel. That's what Paul's saying. Paul is simply saying that those who believe in Jesus have his Holy Spirit within them. So they believe and obey the gospel message. What is hidden from the world is none other than, than the cross and the crucified Lord of glory. Now, this doesn't mean that an unbeliever 
they have never heard of the cross of Jesus or they don't understand the concept and the principle of the gospel. They understand it. I just don't believe it. They just don't. They think it's silly. They think it's foolish. They think it's crazy. It means they can't believe, they won't believe, they see it as foolish. Therefore, even though it is simple and in plain sight, it's hidden. And only the Holy Spirit can bring that conviction to your heart. It confirms the truth in your heart. You know that. Those of you that know Jesus Christ know the day that God turned your heart and you realized, I get it. I see it. I believe it. It's my hope. It's what I've been looking for. It's true. See, every believer receives the indwelling Holy Spirit at conversion. It's not something you have to pray about after uh, you become a believer. Notice, uh, I'll give you a couple passages for that. John chapter 14, uh, 16 says this, I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate or helper who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him. But you know Him because He lives with you and later will be what? In you. Now this is an important thing to understand because if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, don't you realize, this is Paul speaking to the church at Corinth, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you. This building is not the temple. And I know we use this phrase, it's God's house. It's not God's house. Your body is God's house. The Spirit of God, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, the Spirit of God dwells within you. You are the temple. This place becomes holy because God's people gather here. And it could be at the YMCA. It could be down at the boys' club. It could be in a hall somewhere. It doesn't really matter. That space becomes holy because God's people are there, but it's not the temple. There are no temples today. There was a temple in the Old Testament, but the temple now is us. And the Spirit of God doesn't dwell in a tabernacle or in a temple. It dwells within us. Jesus, you'll have that Holy Spirit and he will dwell within you. Notice 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Paul says, Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Now that has obviously has physical fitness and eating and all those implications. We're not even going to get into that. But that's beside the point. But Paul is saying this, that believers have the Holy Spirit as an inner compass, a spiritual guide. And he guides us into God's truth. He leads us into God's truth. So here's the idea I want you to take away. God has given us His Holy Spirit to guide us in the truth. A few things I want to say about the gospel. The gospel message is spiritually discerned. As I said before, everyone, even those who aren't Christians, can understand the concept of the gospel. They just don't believe it. Okay? Notice what Paul says. uh, This is... uh, Verses 12 and 13. 
Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And those who are spiritual is everyone who has the Holy Spirit within them. Now, The Holy Spirit helps us understand, apply, and believe the Word of God. This is theologically called the illumination of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit illuminates God's Word so that we know that it's true. and we. It doesn't mean you're going to go to the Bible and you're going to become an overnight Bible scholar. That's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about is when a pastor teaches something or when you read something. God shows you the truth. You say... That's right. That's right. The Holy Spirit throws a spotlight on Christ so that you can see His glory and beauty and be changed. You're enamored. You're amazed. You're stunned by Jesus Christ. You, you say how incredible He is. John Calvin had a funny phrase. He said, he said an unbeliever listening to the Gospel is like an ass at a concert. They don't get much out of it. They don't get it. It's of a different language. But the Spirit of God gives us the spectacles of faith, giving us spiritual vision. We get it. We see it. We understand it. And the Spirit of God convicts us and convinces us of the truth. We know in our hearts the Savior of the world is Jesus who gave Himself for us on the cross. We know He died for our sin. We are convicted. We are convinced by the Holy Spirit. Those who don't know Jesus understand this, but they don't believe it. They aren't convicted. They aren't convinced. So a few things I want to just say. Number one, we know the Gospel is true because we experience it daily. You know, it's one thing to say, I know what it is to love. I've read about it. I've seen other people who are in love. It's another thing when you're in love, isn't it? You go, oh, now I really get it. That's the difference between a believer and an unbeliever. A believer, or An unbeliever is somebody who's read about love. They've seen it, but they've never experienced it themselves. They've never had their hearts go, wow. That's the difference. Those of us who know Jesus Christ, our hearts have been turned and we go, wow. Secondly, we are sympathetic to the gospel and his word. Those who are unsympathetic to the gospel have no desire to understand it or believe it. Now, let me give you a political illustration. And please don't get caught up on this. If you are a Democrat, you will pretty much, uh, and let's say you're a rabid Democrat, and you are left-winging and you're rabid about it. I mean, it's, it's a big part of who you are. You would, one of the three or four descriptors of your life is, I'm, I'm a man or a woman, I'm married, I, and I have kids, and I'm a Democrat, you know, and, or, you know, I could use Republican, but I'll just pick on Democrats. And, but the point is, you're very sympathetic to the Democratic view of politics, and you generally oppose the Republicans, staunchly, right? You have you, you don't agree with their perspective. You may even vilify the other party because you think it's so ridiculous. That's what we're talking about. Those of us who have had the Holy Spirit within us and have received the gospel, we get it. Those who don't get it look at us and say, how can you believe that stuff? 
In a positive way, we who have been born again are sympathetic to the gospel and to the cross and to Jesus. When it comes to miracles, we believe in miracles. Jesus rebuked the Sadducees for not embracing the resurrection. He says, he said to them, you do not know the scriptures of the power of God. We who have the indwelling Holy Spirit embrace the resurrection. We know the resurrection is our only hope. We believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Why? Because one day we know his resurrection points to our resurrection. We believe in miracles. So because we have the Holy Spirit, we have a new compass, we have a new guide. God, we, God dwells within us, convicting, correcting, convincing, and compelling us. He guides us into all truth. Now I want to give you just a quick, a quick illustration of how this played out in my life, and maybe this will help you to see this. So essentially what I'm saying is this tonight, this weekend. When you come to Christ, you get the guide, the Holy Spirit, and he begins to do a work in your life. And you can't, it's hard to describe it to people who don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't get you. They think you're a little off. They think you're a little, you've been drinking the Jesus juice a little too much. You're a little crazy. You're a nice person, but you go a little too far in this whole thing. And it could be, you know, people close to you. It could be your husband, wife, or your kids, your family members, but they just don't get it. And no matter what you try to do to try to explain it, or you, you can't. They don't get it. It's like you're speaking a different language. And, and the other thing I want to tell you is that when you hear the truth of the gospel, when you hear the truth of the gospel, when you hear it, when you read it, when you study it, and you, you say, that's right. That's true. I believe that. It's the Holy Spirit within you. Now, let me give you my story real quick. So, I crossed that line of faith probably when I was a senior in high school. I didn't grow very much over the next two years at college, but when I got a job in Rochester, New York, I went to a little Baptist church. It was a little old lady, and my friend said, you probably can stay in her basement, but she's going to want you to drive her to church. I said, all right, I need to go to church, so I'll drive her to church. Sure enough, she said, yes, you could stay here, but I need you to drive me to church. And I said, I'll drive you to church. Now, I grew up Catholic my whole life. Altars, stained glass windows, everything, the whole work. St. Mary's of the Angels Church in Olean, New York, okay? And I went to this little Baptist church that had no altars. They had no stained glass windows, no stations of the cross, no nothing. I think they had a cross. They just had pews, and it was a little church, and they sang a few songs, and I go, I don't know what I think about all of this. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? And then the pastor got up, and he opened the Bible, and he began to teach the Bible. And I thought, I don't know about this church. I don't know about old lady Tilson. By the way, she's one of the three most special people in my life. She's dead. She's in heaven. I don't know about old lady Tilson. But I know what this dude is teaching is true and right. And I need to hear it. I got it. I can't describe it any more than that. And I've heard other people teach it, and I go, no, that's not right. That's not God. But when I hear it, and it's right, the Spirit of God says, that's God. 
That's God. Maybe you're here on a weekend, uh, a regular event, and you hear my sermons and other people's sermons. I'm mostly the one to blame. And you go, nah, I don't know about that. <laughs> Hopefully now and then you say, yeah, I don't know about Matt, the way he put it, but the word he read there, that was God speaking to my heart, changed me. It's true. John says this, and I'll close with this verse. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will speak on it, not on His own accord, but He will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever He receives from me. God has given us His Word. God has given us His indwelling Holy Spirit. And Paul basically says, you have a guide who will go with you, who will guide you in the truth. And you know it, because when you hear the truth, you go, that's right. I know it in my heart. We have God's Holy Spirit. May we allow Him to guide us into all truth. Would you stand? Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit who dwells within us, who guides us into all truth, who helps us, convicts us, corrects us, encourages us, gives us hope, helps us. Isn't that what Jesus said? I'll give you a helper. He'll be just like me. Except he's going to be better than me. He's not going to be with you. He'll be in you. Thank you, Father, for the indwelling Holy Spirit as our guide. And thank you that he always points us to Jesus. May we hear his voice. May we follow his leading. And may we find Jesus. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.